and welcome to Notes from the Way. My name is Richard. This is the weekly podcast where we get together and talk about what it means to live out the Christian life in the 21st century. On the podcast, we usually have two areas of discussion that we look at. One, we look at what the scripture says about who we are in Christ, what Christ is doing in us and through us, how God is at work building us into his people, both individually and as the church. Secondly, we talk about what it means to live as a Christian in a non-Christian world. How does our faith intersect and interact with those around us, especially those who don't yet believe in Christ? So if you have any questions or comments or suggestions, anything like that, I'd love to hear from you. My email address is nftw, as in notes from the way, at sbcglobal.net. And we also have a blog that goes along with the podcast, which is notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. I'd love to hear from you. Now, let's jump into a story from the news. Okay, now let's look at this story from christianpost.com. From a couple of days ago, and the headline is California Megachurch Cancels Services to Be the Church. I'll read a few paragraphs here. It says A Vista California megachurch canceled all worship services over the weekend, leaving no excuse for Christians to stay in the pews and out of being the church. So many people think of a church as a self contained religious club, but it's not. That's from the pastor, Larry Osborne of North Coast Church in Vista. Continue the quote, it says, A healthy church is a community of Jesus followers who live out their spiritual commitment 24-7. Amen. Last paragraph here, it says, Over 6,000 North Coast attendees were expected to live out their commitment over the weekend as they tackled 139 community service projects at 70 sites throughout northern San Diego County. On October 25th and 26th, the church closed its doors for a weekend of service providing churchgoers the opportunity to show the love of Jesus. Now, I picked this story out specifically because during this season, it seems like this is a political season. I'm recording this a couple days before the presidential election. And it seems like Christians are looking for a way to make an impact on society. So I saw this story, and it really goes a long way to explaining how we actually do that. Uh, We've tried so many things to make an impact to make a difference in society and we try schools i just was reading something about a college that started in the last few years that claims to be the christian harvard although harvard started out as a christian school but not so much anymore you know we've tried taking over the political realm tried entertainment writing books making movies that have a christian theme and even we've adopted business models of organization or leadership or motivation or marketing especially when it comes to building the church or building the attendance of churches. We've tried to adopt business models to do that. But really, none of that works if our goal is seeing Christ transform the culture around us. It's not that God doesn't use those things, because he works through and in spite of our many, many imperfections. But I'm reminded of a book that J.P. Moreland wrote a couple of years ago called Kingdom Triangle. I know I've mentioned it before, but it's really helped to shape and and mold my thinking in some of these areas. He mentions that in the early church, in the first century church, they were able really to change 
society, change culture. In fact, in Acts, there's the one passage where one of the enemies of the early church says that these people have turned the world upside down. So to have that kind of impact, how did they do it? And he mentions, Moreland does, mentions three things that was true of the early church. It says, one, they were able to clearly proclaim and defend the gospel. In other words, they were able to tell what they believed, and to some extent, at least, tell why they believed it. We've lost that to some degree in our churches today, where we talk a lot about principles of the, the word and things that we find from the Bible. And maybe we're a little bit soft on what is the gospel. So we can just tell people simply and clearly what the gospel is. The gospel is that Christ died for us because we're sinful. And he took that sin on himself so that we can have a right relationship with God. And that God makes us his child and changes us from the inside out. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and what that means to us and our relationship with the Father that's really the heart of the gospel, and they were able to explain that clearly. Second, they were people who lived lives that were marked by the supernatural. In other words, things happened in the lives of believers that didn't necessarily happen in other people's lives. They saw people healed. They saw people change. They saw circumstances change. that could not be explained in any other way but through the power of God. And we need to get back to a theology that isn't completely rooted in the material world, we can't forget that the church is primarily a supernatural body. It's a body being built up by God himself, and he uses spiritual, supernatural means. So we need to ask God humbly. We're not going to demand anything from the Savior. We're not going to demand anything from the Father. But we need to humbly ask him to work in ways, whether, like I said, whether it's through healing or whether it's through some other means to show himself to be powerful in our lives and in the lives of the people around us, especially people who don't yet believe. Third thing that Moreland talks about is the fact that early Christians were known as being people who were morally and ethically and in every other way different and superior. Not that they felt themselves to be superior, but that they lived different kinds of lives. They lived holy lives in the midst of a very corrupt and perverse culture. And we've lost that too. In a lot of ways, we've adopted and kind of become just like everybody else, which is okay to a certain extent, but when we adopt the worldliness and the worldview that says that this is all there is and we need to get what we can and bigger is better and all those things, then we've stopped living as different people. In the passage, I'm going to read just a minute from... Uh, First Peter, it talks about that we should live as strangers in this land. In other words, we're to realize that God has us as people that are here, but we're not really of here. We're really on our way to someplace else. So let me wrap this up real quick. This church has it right as far as the service part goes. We need to be people who are known to live different lives. We should be people who are not the same as everybody else, and our lives should show that we're people of love and grace and forgiveness and charity. Also, we need to be able to be people who can proclaim the gospel clearly. I'm hoping that as these people at this church in Vista are out amongst the community, that when somebody asks, well, why is it you guys are doing this stuff, that they're able to say, you know what, we have been changed by what Christ did for us. And be able to explain what that is, why Christ's death was necessary, and what that means for all of us. I hope they're able to do that, and I, I believe and trust that they are. And lastly, we need to be people who are always asking and depending on 
the supernatural, amazing power of God to change us, to change other people, and to change circumstances. And to do it in such a way that it shows that he's the only one that could do something so amazing. So I'm trusting the Church and Vista is doing that, and I'm trusting that all of us will adopt that mindset where we're dependent on him, and we're able to proclaim what he's done for us, and we're able to live lives that are different and more loving and more giving and more charitable and more graceful than the society around us. And now, let's turn to the scripture. Okay, and we're going through the book of 1 Peter still, and we're going towards the end of chapter 1. We're going to pick up at verse 13. It says, Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be controlled, be self-controlled, excuse me. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since then, you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially. Live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. That goes through verse 17. As I was reading this, it struck me that a big challenge that we have, all of us, I think, and I know I do in my case, in my life as a believer, so I will speak personally rather than universally for everybody. The challenge that I live, that I have as a believer, is to live out who I really am. I think that's what he's talking about here. You know, he's spent, Peter has spent the first part of chapter 1 telling us about the gospel. He says in verse 3 that we've been given a new birth, great mercy, and a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. We've been kept, we're being kept by God's power. We can rejoice in trials. We know that he's working in us, even in difficult, hard, horrible times, to purify us and help us to love him more. Peter points out all these things, and he says, Okay, now, because all this is true, this is how you ought to live. And what's important is that he's not saying, Listen, if you want all those other things to be true, you better live this way. No, he's not saying that. He's saying, because all that other stuff is true, because of who you are, who God has made you, this is the way you're going to live. And that's a big difference. You know, it's really the, the difference between having a solid foundation and having no foundation at all. And I can say for myself, I lived a lot of my Christian life with no foundation, with no security. Even though I knew I was saved, I didn't have the security of knowing that my work, the things that I do in my life are not to please God. And they're not to make him happy with me. And they're not to make him accept me. They're, the things I do are because he's pleased with me through what Christ did and he's happy with me through what Christ did and he's already accepted me through what Christ did so what Peter's saying here is live the way you really are be who you are and it's important what he says here is that not to be conformed to the evil desires that we had before it's the same thing that Paul says in Romans chapter 12 where he talks about not being conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's very important that we don't squeeze ourselves back into that same box of who we used to be before we were saved. It's just like, you know, if I had, I used to have a suit 
when I graduated, I think it was from eighth grade or something, I had this this coat, like a sport coat kind of deal. As I grew, I kept this coat and I, you know, every once in a while I'd try it on. Of course, you know, in eighth grade and I grew up into high school and then out of high school, I couldn't wear this thing anymore. There's no way. I'm, you know, four inches taller. I'm a little bit heavier and there's all these different things. I'm a bigger person. I'm a different person than I was when I wore that suit. And after a while, I just got rid of it because why would I keep something that doesn't fit me anymore? But yet spiritually, we sometimes try to squeeze ourselves into a suit that doesn't fit us anymore. You know, my kids sometimes like to try on clothes. My son is six, and sometimes he likes to try on, like, there's a pair of overalls that he had when he was two or three, and he tries to put them on, and it looks like he's going to pass out from because the blood is being constricted because he can't, we can't move in this thing. It's so small on him. Why would we want to do that to ourselves spiritually? But yet we do when we try to go back to living and being conformed to those evil things, those things that aren't godly, those things that aren't pleasing to the Lord. He doesn't want us to do those things anymore. So what Peter is saying here is don't go back to that. Instead, we need to live lives that are different. We need to live lives that are holy. It just means lives that are separated from those evil things that we used to do before. That's always a challenge for God's people. I was reading through Leviticus this week, and he says in verse uh, in chapter 18, he says, don't imitate your neighbors. He said, I don't want you to live like the people of Egypt lived. I don't want you to live like them, and I don't want you to live like the people in Canaan where you're going. I want you to live lives that are separated and holy to me. And we do that same thing. You know, we change and we chase after the world, but we are his children. And we are not trying to establish and improve our status or our relationship with him, but instead what we're trying to do, what it means to live a holy life is just this. It means we're living as strangers. We realize that this isn't our home. There's an old gospel song that says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. I'm just passing through. And uh, we need to remember that that's true. There's a difference between us and the world. And that difference isn't in our politics. It's not that we don't you know, celebrate Halloween. We just had the Halloween holiday here. It's not that we don't celebrate that. It's not that we can big build big buildings or big organizations and structures. It's the important things. Let me tell you about some of the important things that Christ calls us to live out in our lives. What we call the great commandment. Somebody asked him what the greatest commandment was. And Jesus said, to love your God, everything you have, love him, and to love your neighbor as yourself. It's a great commission to go out and tell everyone and make disciples of everyone and teach them the things that Christ has taught us. It's being known, like it says in John, being known by our love for one another within the church. Are we known as people who love one another? Well, that's how Christ says that we are going to be known by other people. It's how we have the mind of Christ. It talks about in Philippians chapter 2 where it says that Jesus made himself of no reputation, even though he was God. That instead he laid all that aside to make himself a servant. And that we should have that same kind of attitude ourselves as we deal with other people. That we are the servant of everyone. And we should do that in the same way that Christ did for us. So it's important to remember that our call is not to be something false or to try to be something that we aren't. You know, this whole idea that we're going to fake it till we make it. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is to live who we really are and not to be conformed to who we used to be or who we could be if we wanted to be more like the world, but it's to live out who we are. It's a holy life that is really natural. It's really the natural outgrowth of the life of Christ in us. We need to trust that God, that God will show us 
where we have conformed to the world. And we need to trust that he will bring us and be faithful to complete his work in us. And as we come to him and we say, Lord, where do I need to be? What do I need to do? And we look at his word and see where we fall short. We need to come and trust him that he's going to finish that work in us. We're a long ways from being complete, and God is not done yet. But even in our imperfect, incomplete state, he loves us. He loves us just like his own son, Jesus, because we're, we are his sons and daughters in the kingdom. So just remember, so just remember that God calls each one of us because he loves us and because he's called us out of sin and despair and degradation, he's called us to live a life that's different. And we can depend on him to make us into the people he wants us to be. Well, that's the podcast for today. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you've been motivated or inspired in some way to live a life for Jesus. Contact me if you'd like with a suggestion, comment, whatever at nftw at sbcglobal.net or on the blog at notesfromtheway.blogspot.com. Till next week, God bless. Thank you.